Dose of Leadership Podcast, Episode 93. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership Podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is Richard Ryerson. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. This show is brought to you by my sponsor, Audible.com. If you're like me, you like to read, but you're having trouble finding the time to squeeze in all those great books, well, Audible.com is a perfect solution. Audiobooks are great. I never thought I would like them, but I love them now. It's a great way to get caught up. I listen to and get caught up on the book as I'm driving to work, if I'm exercising, any free time, working out in the yard, I can get caught up on all my reading. You can go to uh, my website, doseofleadership.com slash audible, and you can uh, download a free audiobook. Any audiobook they have, over 100,000 titles to choose from, you can download it for free, listen to it. You can sign up for 30 days with no obligation. If you don't like it after 30 days, you can cancel your subscription. But again, it's no risk to you. Go check out doseofleadership.com slash audible and make your smartphone smarter. Well, I'm excited to have on my show today, T.T. Mitch Mitchell. He's been a in the healthcare business for over 25 years. For 18 years, he worked in various health, healthcare organizations, 17 of those at some type of management level. He's worked for a physician billing company, a federally qualified health center, and three hospitals. In uh, two of those hospitals, he was also a revenue officer, a charge master coordinator. In his last uh, facility, he was also the corporate compliance officer. He spent a lot of time in management, and he learned there the leadership and management skills that helped motivate others today to reach their organizational goals. And with his unique position in healthcare, which is a hot topic these days, he also understands that this is a diverse world where each person has even the subtlest of differences and that every person deserves to be treated fa- fa- fairly. Sorry about that. He's a healthcare consultant, a leadership trainer, and a writer. He's got uh, books out there, Embrace the Lead, his first book on leadership and management. His second book was called Using Your Website as a Marketing Tool and a weekly email newsletter, as well as numerous articles either written by him or with quotes from him. He's uh, pretty popular in the leadership arena. T.T. Mitchell, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, you know, I came across your stuff. Again, I told you I was a leadership nut, and I love your blog. I mean, I think you're such a prolific leadership writer. Tell us a little bit more about your journey. You started in the healthcare industry, but now here you are on the leading edge of training people, helping leader, be, helping people become better leaders. How did it all start for you? Well... Actually, I, I'm still in healthcare. As a matter of fact, um, you know, you don't you don't throw away all those years, and sure. you know, especially because they pay you really well for it. <laughs> <laughs> but right. it's an it's an interesting thing because uh, as a consultant, when people are calling you in, for the most part, they're doing it because there's stuff they don't understand. So you still, you know, do a lot of leadership as a consultant because. Uh, you know, people are hoping that you can help them to be better. And in my case, it's helping hospitals make money. And it's a set of skills I've been able to develop that not everyone has. So it works out well. What What is the biggest challenge in healthcare? With Is there a leadership vacuum uh, in that industry that's different than most? Or is it kind of just universal, the same as every, every organization? Is there something unique about healthcare that makes a leadership a challenge there? Oh, for sure. Um one of the, the major deal you have with healthcare, and I'm sure there's a few other industries that are like it, but I can't think of any off the top of my head, 
is that you move people up based on how technically skilled they are. Oh, uh, yeah. And, you know, you don't have any real leadership training a, a lot of times. So, for instance, you may be the best radiology tech there is, and the director leaves. Now you step into that position because you were great. Well, what leadership skills did you learn from that? Except <laughs> right, right. whatever you might have picked up from the person you were reporting to, and those could have been bad skills. You know, that's brilliant because it happens everywhere you see it, right? And the, usually the, the uh, and, and it seems to make sense on the surface. Hey, let's promote the, I mean, they pay their dues. They, they know the best about this technical skill they're in until you realize that the leadership skill set is completely different from being the best radiologist or whatever that skill set is. Right. And so, yeah, you, you, you hit it on the head. Exactly. And, and you, you know, you see it so often. Uh, where you know people think that the best worker is going to end up being the best leader yeah. or manager doesn't happen. Yeah. Why do you think? I, and surely it's not out of malice, or I think it's just a misunderstanding or not fully understanding what leadership is. I think a lot of times I've seen that in in all the companies I've worked too. Um, what do you do? What do you go in and say to these folks? How do you get the mindset to shift? I guess towards a leadership role. Um. You know, one of the strangest things is that people end up in leadership and they think they have to act all these certain ways mm. where if they thought as much about how they themselves would like to be treated, they might be better leaders. Right. And, you know, people talk about that women who come into the uh, leadership positions and may not have all the experience or whatever. And sometimes, you know, there are some women who are tough, but there's some women who are very, very nice. And, you know, you, you see this type of thing where people, you know, sometimes they act just like themselves, but you find that you don't get the response that you expected. So you have to be yourself, but you also have to learn certain skills and certain things to make your business life work differently than maybe your personal life. Yeah, agreed. Who was a who was a great inspiration for you along the way? I mean, was there someone that really stands out as uh, that you're really standing on their shoulders as a leader? Well, it's, it's you know what my dad and I go that route because I was a military kid. My mm. dad was a master sergeant, and one of the things you learn as a military kid is that the officers don't necessarily run everything. Right, it's master sergeant that run it. That's right, and. You know, I, I think it's because a lot of officers go to college and then they come in as educated people, whereas the non-commissioned officers actually come up through the ranks doing the work in those departments. So my dad would have the work, you know, the ear of all these officers who would come to him and ask him all these questions and ask him for all this advice. You, you don't see that all that often. Mm -mm. But if you, you know, read some history books of some of the top generals, in history, they all had a master sergeant or someone like that as someone who they leaned on. Yeah. People listen to that podcast. They've heard me say that before. And I think it was one of the greatest lessons I learned in the Marine Corps. I've had some great, great NCOs who would pull me aside and taught me more about life and, le and leadership lessons uh, that behind the scenes, and they did it so willingly. And in the end, it made me look good, but it was really them that was the engine behind making that uh, kind of uh, machine works so smoothly, and I think all the good officers in the military know that, understand that, and respect that. Woe be the, the the young officer that comes in and thinks it's all about him or her. 
uh, they're setting themselves up for a, a rude awakening. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, you know, some of your writings I was reading, I wanted to point it out. I wrote this note. One of my favorite posts that you have, and this is fun. Um, how bad of a leader was Charlie Brown? I think that's the only <laughs> thing I've ever seen there. It's my favorite, but one of my favorite posts of yours. Share my list with my listeners that whole idea of, you know, what prompted you to highlight Charlie Brown and his leadership abilities. Well, I'm a major Peanuts fan. I've been reading Peanuts comic books since, uh, well, 1966 or 67. Yeah. And, you know, Charlie Brown takes a lot of heat. Yeah. Uh, he's a bad director. He's a bad uh, baseball manager. Uh, he's a bad, you know, everything. He takes a lot of heat from a lot of people. But, you know, when you think about it, these people who say they don't like him as a leader are always elected him to the leadership position. That's right. <laughs> so they're always, you know, none of them wants to be the leader and they always want him to be the leader. Uh-huh. And, you know, this is a guy who doesn't have any real training. Uh, you know, his dad is a barber, so, you know, he didn't get any real leadership skills. Right. But he knows how to at least talk to people. He always seems to know enough. And if he had a little bit more authority or people weren't thinking of him as a blockhead, he'd probably be a great manager. Right. That's interesting. You know, I think, you know, he inherited – and that's the that's really kind of the um, – one of the realities of life, you know, we can sit there and we can talk about leadership and read all these books and about how to you, you build a team and this and that. The reality is when you get assigned to a leadership position, you inherit that team, you know, and it, take, and it may take time for you to kind of weed out the bad eggs and everything else. And so you got you to look at that perspective. Here's Charlie Brown. He inherited a team that were really were misfits and who didn't really want to play the game, as you put it, you know, and his best player is the, is the a dog who can't even throw, you know, exactly. and uh, so I think it's a great post. It's so funny. One other one I, I really am interested and intrigued about was, and, um, your problem with servant leadership, you know, we talk about and throw that, that word around being a servant leader. You know, I've certainly have said that and, and, and has said that I'm, you know, subscribing to this idea of serving others, but, uh, you have an interesting take on that and, you know, and it opened my eyes to a lot of things. What's your, t- what's your take on that? And what's, what's the problem with servant leadership in your mind? I tend to believe that there's terminology that people use and they mean well when they use the terminology, but it immediately puts certain things into your mind and the people's minds who hear it. And my problem with the concept of servant leadership is that you're selfless. You give everything and you're giving everything so that your employees can be better. And I think there is a degree at which when you continue to do that, you absolve responsibility off yourself. And and that's how I kind of see it. You know, a lot of the servant leadership say, you know, we're going to do all the training. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. But they never say, well, what's my job going to be? No, you're the servant leader, you know. Right. Um, it's kind of like where I wrote a post about the word boss. Uh, I don't use the word. I, I've never called anybody my boss. I, yeah. I didn't like when people used to call me the boss. Yeah, I don't either. Because to me, it um, throws off responsibility, personal responsibility. You know, you can say, well, the boss said this or whatever. Um, no, I, I don't like that. I've <laughs> never liked that term. Yeah. So I, I've never used it. You know, I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, words and people say words can't hurt you and words don't affect you. Well, absolutely words affect you and words hurt you. They shouldn't, but they do. So I'm very conscious 
when I look at things like that. And I just don't go, you know, I don't follow the same uh, river that everyone else does, obviously. Well, I like that too. And I I don't like the word boss either. I don't like the word subordinate either. I don't like calling... Uh, the people that I'm accountable for subordinates. I don't. That one kind of bothers me too. I like to I'm look. I like to look at people as functional leaders. I guess that have a functional responsibility, and that the leader is the ultimate, ultimately accountable for them. Um, yeah, you know, I think I kind of agree with you on the servant leadership part because at some point the leader has to, does have to take care of themselves. In the context that you're talking about, you know, if you're completely at the whim of the employee, that's not really leadership, right? You need to be there for them and lead, which means sometimes you got to make unpopular decisions. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think I'm a, I, I like what you say there. You know, seeing yeah, I think I think that that you know you have to make sure your employees have the knowledge and the tools to do the job. You have to be able to either answer their questions or find a way to answer their questions or lead them to the place so that they can learn for themselves. All that is important. But you also have to be the one who makes the decision. Right. You have to be the one sometimes to say no. You have to be the one who says, you know, I'm going to set up these teams and yeah, I know you guys are buddies, but you know, we've got to change things around because you have certain strengths and you need to be with these people and you have this. I don't know that the concept of servant leadership actually works that way. Maybe it does, but, you know, I've read a couple of different books, or at least I tried because I couldn't get through them. They just started Uh to irritate me. But a couple of them, and none of them ever got to that point. So, you know. Yeah, I think for me, what I, I like to define it is leadership is all about adding value to other people. Um, that way, that's kind of a, you know, it's not about the leader. It is about taking care of the folks, but at the same time, it's not a popularity contest. To, contest to your point, you have to. You're not there to be popular for them. You're there to lead them and uh, add value to them into the organization, which is a a difference. And I think sometimes, if you're there to to serve, um, it, the word can. If you don't fully understand it in that context, you're right. You could you could go down a path that really isn't true leadership. It's almost like you know you're doing everything you can to pacify them. Maybe Is, am I saying that right? Do you think? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, and and sometimes you, you just you try to find ways not to tell the truth. <laughs> uh, I, I, years ago, when I was still an employee, um, the hospital decided to put out for a vote whether people should have merit raises or not. I tried to tell everyone in my department, you don't know what you're looking at. You, do, you don't know what's coming. I don't think you should do it. Of course, no one listened to me on that one, so they all did it. <laughs> and what the hospital ended up doing was they set a percentage. And they said, okay, this is the percentage of raise that we're going to give. So you can have so many people who end up at this level, so many who end up at this level, and some who have to end up at this level. And, oh, by the way, you're going to have to find a way to get some who end up at the lowest level because those people need to be gone. And so I ended up getting a 1% raise. And I had a meeting with the CFO, who I reported to, and I said, okay, let's look at all this stuff I've done for you over this past year. And I named all these things. And I said, so, okay, with this kind of resume, how did I get a one? And he said, well, you're always above average anyway, so that's average for you, and you have to be better than that, so that's how come you got a one. Oh, my. (laughs) Now, if he had been a man and just said to me, 
you're one of the highest paid uh, directors that we have, so you only can qualify for this 1%. And given me what I should have gotten to begin with, I would have accepted that. But he had to try to come up with this stupid thing that made no sense whatsoever. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think we've all had stories similar to that happen. I don't know. It just, it, to me, that shows the difference between, man, you know, that's certainly not being a leader. And I think that's where sometimes, you know, the, the, the argument, I'm, I'm curious to what you think about the difference between management and leadership. I mean, um, you definitely, I think I often run into people on a day-to-day basis where they, they confuse the two. There's obviously a, a stark difference. What do you think the main difference between management and leadership is? Well, I think the main difference is really the goals. Uh, for instance, a manager's goal or, or their responsibility is to basically make sure that the department is as efficient as it can be. It, it, it really, that's, that's the extent of their responsibility. Leaders build people up. Leaders are the ones who try to help their employees learn more. Um, I, I used to say that one of the things I hope to do is train you so well that another hospital wants to hire you as a director. Right. <laughs> And, and and that's what leaders do. Leaders uplift people. Leaders are honest. Uh, I mean, to a degree. I mean, you know, I'm not going to come out and say, you know, you're the worst worker I've ever had because you keep making mistakes. But I'm going to let you know if you made a mistake and I'm going to tell you how not to do it again. Right. Because I want you to learn from it. And I think that's that, you know, that's the difference between management and leadership. For instance, um, well, we're getting close to the anniversary of, you know, 9-11, the September, you know, thing that happened at World Trade Center. And I think on that day a lot because I feel kind of close to that. I was up there a bunch of times and, you know, I'm from New York. Right. And one of the things you realize is that there were a lot of people who were not managers or directors who stood up on that day and did the right thing and helped a lot of people survive. There's a difference between a leader and a manager. Uh, those leadership skills will just come out and you know that you have to do the right thing and it's not just about you. It's about making sure that others are taken care of in that certain way. That certainly wasn't servant leadership on that day. That was true heroism and it was true leadership and I really love that. Yeah, that's a great example. You know, you made me think about, you know, when um, there's two types of people. They talked about it, of course, on that day and it, it's all imprinted in our in, significant in our lives for a whole host of reasons, but particularly about that day and even recently in last April when the the Mar- Boston Marathon bombing happened, you know, and you talk about, you see like the videos of there is a handful of people that are running away and there's a handful of people running towards, and you're right. I think the people that are running towards um, inherently for whatever reason, they got that character makeup that, that helps them become or they're inclined towards leadership. That's a great. You know, you got a great post there. Tell us about that story, the the video that you have on there. Speaking about nine eleven, that you posted last uh, June, where you're talking about um, um, the 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 boaters, the boaters. Yeah, oh, tell tell us what, tell us that story. Yeah, what an amazing story. I, I was shocked that it took me so long to find out about it. Basically, um, you know. The people couldn't get off the island. And, you know, most people know that uh, um, New York City is basically on an island. Right. And they had shut all the bridges and they had shut down the subway and people just couldn't get off. And people were panicking. And 
the World Trade Center, you know, fell and there was dust everywhere. And there were people who owned boats. There are some who own ferries, but, you know, just regular people who own boats. And they said, you know what? I think I can help some of those people get off the island. And so they just massed together. Uh, you know, these were people who didn't know anyone, but they just felt the calling. And it ended up being the largest evacuation of people in history. Really? Like something like uh, 540,000 people in eight or nine hours. Really? It's just, it was just amazing. And when they were talking to these guys, they just said, I just had to help. I just had to help. Amazing. Amazing stuff. And that, that shows you the heart of people. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of bad things that happen in this world, but I tend to believe in people overall because when tragedy hits, there's always those people who say, I need to help. You know, I agree with you. I love that you said that. And I, and I think that's why I'm so fascinated when, you know, those tragedies happen. And of course, I'm a, being a former Marine, I'm a student of military history. And you think about all those great examples. There's so many stories out there. And 9-11 is just one of them that we've never even heard of and, and maybe never been told or maybe not not that well known. But you, you dig and you find and there's there's examples of, you know, enemy upon enemy. You know, I think there's, there was one great example on 9-11 I kind of remember where, a Hasidic Jew had fell down um, and was you know, overcome by the dust and everything else. And here comes this um, uh, devout Muslim comes and picks him up. You know what a you know in the midst of a tragedy, what a great kind of uh, image. You know, and the guy's just picking him up. This Hasidic Jew, and in, on any other circumstances, they would be you know devout enemies. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're right. I think at the end of the day, we're all in the same. You know, at the core of leadership is love, and and people don't usually talk about that, but I certainly do, and I believe that at the at the heart of it, if you're going to dip your foot in the leadership pool, you have to be in love with the human condition and human beings in general. Doesn't mean you don't get frustrated with them. Believe me, I wear my "I hate people" T-shirt every now and then because you get frustrated with them. But at the end of the day, you can't really call yourself a leader unless your heart uh, is in the right place. And how you get it there is up to you between your God and, and your choice. But, uh, I think if you're going to be a leader, you have to be in love with the human condition. You know, I'd never thought about it like that, but I think you have a point. I, you know, I like to think of myself when I was, uh, everyday leader a as a good leader, people definitely responded to me well. And as a consultant going into different places, even when, Sometimes I have to pull rank. By the end of it, people have all come around because it's not me trying to make me look good. I'm trying to make everybody look good. Absolutely. Now, if you don't, if you don't want to look good, then I, yeah, and yeah, I'm gonna come. You know, I'm probably gonna step all over you because you're getting in the way of your hospital making money. Mm -hmm. But if you want to come along, I'm gonna give you as much praise and education as you want. <laughs> and, and mm -hmm. you know, I don't necessarily need it. You know, I'm getting paid. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, well, I think that's a, it's important people understand that because you can't, you know, they, they always, and you probably know this and see this from the consultant side. And what, to your point, is like, you know, you bring in consultants, you bring in a coach. And I've said this when I've come up with clients, and then sometimes they think, well, you need to come fix this guy. And like, look, I can't fix him. If anything, I can highlight and show him the truth, but it's up to the individual to make the choice and where you want to take it. You know, and um, it's the same thing probably with your hospitals that you go and consult. Like, you know, they're, 
you can't bring a lone, uh, a leader in like the Lone Ranger to come save the day. At the end of the day, it has to be the answers all lie within the organization with the people, and it's up to them to kind of extract it. What are your thoughts on that? Um. Well, <laughs> you're, you're you're pretty much right. I mean, I can know everything I need to know about what I do. But if I can't get any cooperation and I'm not given any real authority, I'm not going to fix anything. Right. And uh, I guess you could look at, well, look at Yahoo, for example. I mean, Yahoo kept bringing different people in and no one was responding to them. And now they've got this lady in there who somehow they seem to be responding to her. And she isn't she the one, I think, who cut working at home. That's right. She did. You know, made a whole lot of news and, and, you know, backlash. And yet. The company seems to be coming around. So that says that she had an idea and she got people to you know, listen to her and uh, uh, go along with it. And it's working well. Uh, there was something a couple weeks ago or last week I read that said that worldwide Yahoo search beat Google for the first time. Wow, <laughs> really? Years. Yeah. You know, she's an amazing individual. I'd love to. I've been trying to get her on, on, on the show, too. But, yeah, I think, you know. That's what leaders have to do. Sometimes they got to make unpopular decisions, but that's that's the name of the game. Yeah. Educate me a little bit about you got a great post and and I don't know much about Malcolm X except what maybe the popular media has told me. And I've seen the movie uh, that Denzel Washington was in, uh, but I don't know much about the man to be quite honest. You got a, a post intrigued me. Uh, talk to me about Malcolm X, what you think of him as a leader and uh, kind of uh, your um, a genesis of what you thought about him. Well, you know, the thing about Malcolm X for anyone to understand is that he really didn't come up the way a lot of other people do. You know, I say that about diversity. We think that we can group a lot of people into one thing, but everyone's you know upbringing is different. And he came from intelligent parents who believed in independence, and his father was killed for it, uh, you know, tr- trying to do this. Right. And he, he was a smart guy. And he was a passionate guy. He was one of those guys who, once he uh, came across something, he took it, and he ran with it. And some of that stuff wasn't good. He was, he was a gambler, he was a hustler, and he was good at it. Um, he, he stole, and he robbed, and he lied, and he did all these kinds of things. Then when he found something that he really thought was going to uplift a group of people, he just grabbed onto it and he was an eloquent speaker and he was strong. And the problem was that he happened to be more pure of heart than the organization he was supporting at the time. And once he found out, he became disenchanted and then they didn't like it because he told some truths and, you know, there you go. But by the time he started to come around, he started to realize that, you know, there's value in everybody. Everyone doesn't have to totally agree on everything, but people can come together and work towards common good causes. And that's really where he had gotten to. And it showed um, a great mental growth in the man. Um, and a lot of people, you don't get to see that publicly. But, um, you know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned seeing the movie. And, you know, one of the true tales is that this is a guy who led the life that supposedly Islam preached. 
right. you know he said his prayers is five times a day and he was a chaste man he didn't you know do anything with other women he you know taught his kids the right way and you know that there you go i mean leaders can change and he had a group of people who stuck with him even after he changed his mindset and that shows you something yeah and i think that's an it's a it's an interesting or a, a critical point especially about leadership and leadership development that it's never um, a plateau that you reach. It's a lifelong journey, and people should be allowed to mature and to, and to change. And, and it's and it's right. And I'm going to investigate or examine this even more because, as you said in there, I kind of forgot that he was hated as he got older. In being in the voice of, of the the nation of Islam, started hating him, right? Because he was telling too much of the truth. Isn't that correct? Am I saying that? Am oh, I, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think what, what the word was that they used to describe it. Uh, oh, I, I can't remember the, the, the word that they used to describe it. But uh, even, you know, 10, 20 years later, after he had been killed, there were people who were still calling him that name who were of the Nation of Islam, uh, you know, following Farrakhan. Uh, I mean, it, it, was, it, it hadn't changed. They were very, um, you know, they they were very forgiving of certain things that they did on their own. But talk about the group and you talk about Elijah Muhammad, you know, you might as well. Um, and I'm going to say fatwa. And I know that's the wrong word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the thing that they put? A, I think it is a fatwa. Fatwa or jihad or what? Uh... Jihad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, jihad is actual all out war. I think a fatwa is basically a hit on one yeah, person. Yeah, you're right. And, and uh, you know, Malcolm Rushdie had to deal with that. And the guy who was the cartoonist in Denmark had to deal with that. Malcolm X had to deal with that. Um, and, and they got him for that. Uh, they couldn't see that there was anything forgivable about it, even if he was trying to do good. Yeah, his, his, as you, his house was firebombed by the black Muslims, right? I mean, for... Oh, yeah. And, and you talk about... Well, you said you saw the movie, but you know, relive past. That happened to him as a kid. His yeah. father's house was firebombed. That's right. And his father was killed. Um, they laid him on the tr on train tracks, and his body was cut in half oh, by a train man. after they'd beaten him up. Wow. And they, and they tried to say that he passed out from drinking. The man was a priest, and they said he passed out from drinking. And, and there you go. Um, you know, it was amazing how much his life ended up being just like his father's. Wow. I'm going to get that movie again. I'm going to watch it this weekend. I'm so intrigued now. Because well, I... yeah, and there's documentaries on YouTube um, uh, about it. There was one that was produced back in the 70s by Ozzie Davis, and it, it's an amazing – it's about two hours long, but it's, it's amazing. Well, that's what I love about this podcast i love about talking about leadership and meeting people like yourself there's so many things to learn um you know leadership is central to every aspect of our life i think a lot of times i know i kind of got in the leadership game to try to improve my lot in life in the corporate world but it certainly evolved into um central to every aspect of your life i don't know how you are or where you're at but you seem like that type of guy that it just it encompasses everything that you do i i try uh you know um it, this is going to sound a little weird, but this is one of the things I do. I actually believe that I picked up a lot from Star Trek. <laughs> really? 
And yeah, oh, and, and Mr. Spock. As a matter of fact, I've written about it on 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 the blog. Oh, know, I gotta find those. I didn't see those. Years. Yeah, and you know the thing is, you know, not all of it. Um, there is this thing about logic and thinking about things. And I truly believe that if people took more time to think about how they want to be perceived, how they want to interact with others, and you know how they want others to interact with them that they would logically have to come to some of these decisions, especially as a leader. Um, you know, one of the strangest things I find is where there's people who say, well, you know, I'm paying them. That should be enough motivation. And, you know, my response to that is, okay, do you really want to risk your job <laughs> on, on just paying them more money thinking that they're going to work well for you? Uh, that's, it's illogical. You know, logic basically says that you help to inspire people and you you work with them and you let them see that you're willing to work and give something. You know, you can't be a good leader and sit in your office all day long doing nothing. You have to be doing something. Right. And one of the things I used to do every once in a while is I would tell people what I did. And they would say, oh, my God, you do all of that. I don't want to do any of that. But, <laughs> but I let them know because every once in a while they were going to walk by the office and see me sitting there looking like I'm not doing anything, but I was thinking. And you have to have those times where you can think. Because if you can't think, then you can't innovate. If you can't innovate, then you're going to stagnate. And if you stagnate, things break down, you can't improve, and your leadership goes away, your employees go away, the business suffers, you know? Yeah. I um, did the search here. I see all the posts that you did. You reference Star Trek a lot. That's uh, awesome. I'm going to have to read these. That's a so, that is, that is, I've never had, that's just great. I love that. I need to, I wish I would have found that before I, uh, the interview. That would have. Hey, while you're looking, try to find that Harry Potter one too. <laughs> oh, but you've got me really intrigued now. This, this is great. You're going to get a lot of people going to your blog now. There's just, there's just, it's just good stuff. Have you ever taken? Have you ever done any presentations based on Star Trek or Harry Potter or anything like that? Do you have any presentations around that? No, but well, I've never been asked, but I I could do it. Man, you um, should. Oh, I would love that. And you'd be a huge market for that. That'd be very unique. Maybe, maybe they'll invite me to one of the Star Trek conventions. <laughs> I used to go that's go right. when I was a lot younger, but uh, they don't come my way anymore. Oh, that's awesome. That's great stuff. Well, I got to tell you, Mitch, this has been a lot of fun. I, I'm glad I met you in the circle. I'm glad to uh, um, have met you, and it's been a fun conversation. Where can people find you and uh, give a quick plug out for your, your stuff and your, your brand? Well, you can find me at ttmitchellconsulting.com. Uh, on that page, you'll see a link that goes to the blog. I have a lot of articles there. I've got a lot of articles everywhere. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you want me a little more buttoned down, I have a, another blog that's called I'mJustSharing.com. I'm just and sharing. I talk a lot about blogging and social media, but I also give some motivational things, and I touch upon a lot of stuff there. So uh, between uh, my other blog, which is called Mitch's Blog, and I'm Just Sharing, I've got about 2,600 articles. My goodness. I don't know how you do it, but I'm impressed, and I'm glad you're doing it, my friend. You're saying a lot of good stuff out there, and, and uh, I hope more people find you and, uh, and, and get more in touch with, with your leadership style, especially the Star Trek stuff. I really you got me intrigued now. <laughs> well, my friend, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we'll, we'll touch base again soon. No problem. Thank you for having me. 
Richard invites you to become a part of the Dose of Leadership community. Visit doseofleadership.com and sign up to receive his free Common Sense Leadership eBook, a guide that highlights how all of us can learn to become calm, confident, consistent, and courageous in all aspects of our lives. Richard is also available as a speaker for your next event. Richard specializes in practical leadership and change management. He has a philosophy of inspiring everyone to think and act like a leader, which is based on timeless natural principles and common sense. You can get more info by visiting doseofleadership.com.